Welcome back, Truth Seekers. So we are here continuing on Jeff Berwick's book. And we were talking about Amazon and how they sacrifice profit to take over basically the new market. So moving on, we are still at the place, at the chapter where it says globalization and the Amazon economy. So expand as quickly as possible. Slaughter all your competitors by dropping your prices below profitability for you and your competitor until you bankrupt them. Then worry about profits after all your competitors are long gone. Obviously, they need a lot of capital to do this behind them, right? Which was not a problem for Bezos because he had all the right friends. Amazon's strategy was so well executed that not only did they crush all the other online bookstores, they put most of the traditional bookstores out of business as well. Free shipping costs Amazon over $7 billion a year. But are any of their investors really going to stand up in a shareholders meeting and tell Jeff Bezos he's doing it wrong? Of course not, because they know what's really going on. Customers will have to pay for shipping at some point. Once all other competitors are out of business. But by then, everyone will be so accustomed to shopping on Amazon, that shopping any other way will be unusual. And this is true. And I have an Amazon account. And when I buy on Amazon, especially now, because I've once I realized all of that, because I got into the Amazon game for four or more actually, a long later. It was like eight years later or something. So they already expanded into other things. And of course I had a friend who was buying everything on Amazon and I was like, oh, this is way cheaper, right? And obviously when you are really broke, those $2 do make a difference for you. Because, you know, not everybody, uh, has lived in the lap of luxury and a lot of us have really lived through poverty especially if you you know I know I have lived very little and I couldn't really um, get as much stuff if I didn't get it through Amazon but over time I at least try to buy always from the smaller vendors because you can choose you're still undercutting them but uh, because also if you really investigate on how they treat their workers and stuff, I had applied to work there because I wanted to see how it was and I gave all the right answers to be hired. Because they ask you things like, oh, if people are put in the right position where they can still, do you think they would? And of course I said yes, because that's the answer they are looking for. Because once you learn enough about this brain stuff and you observe the game for enough time and you get old enough you know and you try to run your business honestly and you see that you don't make any money and then you realize you're the village idiot who tried to do the right thing while everybody else was screwing the system because the system is really screwing you so experience teaches you this thing unless your parents were smart to teach you these things and of course most of the poor people's parents don't teach them this stuff right so this is how it's all deceit and this is how it's really disgusting. But yes, um, this is what's gonna happen. That's why I say we just need to defund all the billionaires 
Amazon really belongs to the workers as far as I'm concerned because they've all been underpaid and the vendors because they've all been screwed. Because when you return stuff on Amazon, you're screwing the vendor. You're not screwing Amazon. That's what I want to point out to all of you. I only returned one thing once because uh, they, they actually sent me the wrong mixer and you will understand how a mixer is important because I'm right now using the mixer to do this. So, you know, I couldn't hook it up to the computer. They sent me the one to hook up to a stereo. And so I got the correct mixer, but that was the only time that I returned something on Amazon and I bought a lot of stuff on Amazon. And I have bought Amazon Basics before, but I stopped when I realized, oh, you know what? You're, you're, who is Amazon Basics, right? So I'm, I'm probably buying from them and I just look for the smaller vendors. And I'm still buying on it because I'm still not rich. And so, you know, I don't even know how I'm gonna pay for stuff next month, personally. So I think a lot of us are in this situation and having all these problems with the masks, I can't really go out easily and find a job even if I wanted to. I cannot wear a mask and I cannot see people wearing masks. So they really screwed people like me, you know? So I've been trying to do all kinds of other things to accommodate for that also because I have my own physical problems because I'm not used to asking for help from the government like so many parasites do all the time without you know understanding that all you're doing is screwing over your brothers and sisters you're not screwing the rich fucks because they're not the ones who pay for it it's the poor people who pay for it so bravo you know on all of you who screw the government you're really screwing the poor people not the government but that's another story Anyway, moving on. After almost a quarter of a century in business, Amazon has only shown very small profits. But would anyone question the retail dominance? They were able to play this long game because although they did not turn large profits, they had another form of currency that was actually more in demand, and that was their stock. Where profits were missing, the stock filled the gaps and then some. Amazon prioritized their share price over their profits because they knew they could use it as another form of currency to finance their operations, which of course they have, and it was used to compensate investors that bought into the plan early on, and those that were always there with fresh money to finance their money-losing operations. And also, don't they own Twitch, the platform, you know, so... Anyway, uh, the good, the good, that's the title, <laughs> sorry. Amazon is an example of globalization in a practical sense. It is easy to see it is a global marketplace connecting people from all over the planet through its platform and storefront. It's kind of like Etsy, right? Which is another one who is owned by one of the shields. An even better example of globalization is eBay, where sellers and buyers come together to conduct sales transactions with people that will probably never find each other pre-internet. Exactly. This is one of the positive aspects of globalized trade because it allows people separated geographically to meet in one particular spot on eBay's cyber storefront and find what they are looking to buy or sell something that is just taking up space in their garage. And I've used eBay, and eBay is great too. Having access to this global market has tremendous value, and for hundreds of years, the only real way to make this 
introductions were through shipping lanes and trading outposts. It also allows a smaller company to play on the global stage or masquerade as a much larger company and conduct global trade provided that they have an internet connection. It is not much that it levels the playing field, but it allows everyone the option of at least getting on the field. Market forces will determine how level the field will get, but a small company can at least take part in the game. Globalization has been a tremendous benefit from companies looking to outsource work to regions where the cost of labor are much lower than through traditional local workers. Most people have a vision of workers sewing buttons on jeans inside massive warehouses in Bangladesh, but it also takes the form of graphic design work in third world countries that get outsourced or medical transcription services that are staffed in the Philippines. The ability to outsource a virtual staff through a variety of different countries puts downward pressure on prices, benefiting the company seeking these discounted services. Because of endless authoritarian restrictions, regulations, taxes, insurance requirements, tariffs, and product liability in their own country, many companies are forced to have their product made somewhere else, like, say, China. Rise of the Eastern Empire. <laughs> and that was rice, not rice, but I thought it was funny. Sorry. That's my bad, mad sense of humor. The growth of China, both in terms of population and economy, has been nothing short of astounding. When one considers the mess they were in after Mao's Cultural Revolution, their progress is almost unbelievable. When Nixon and Kissinger made China a priority for American economic development, in conjunction with Chase Bank and David Rockefeller, it took a very old country that was best known for silk, opium, and an enormous wall, and transformed it into the largest factory on the planet, all in half a century. Part of the transformation was the realization that in order to make these drastic changes, an exodus would need to take place in which the rural population would migrate to the big cities and industrial hubs. Some people moved willingly, others did not. The authoritarian roots of the country still remained, so some were forcibly relocated to fill the needs and the demographic shift away from an agrarian society and into manufacturing. So from a relaxing life to a stressful enslavement. Awesome. Chinese cities will grow by 350 million people in the next decade due to a shift from rural to urban living. By 2025, China will build 5 million additional buildings including 50,000 high-rises. China has 64 million empty homes, as well as entire cities that are vacant. 64 is a big Gematria number. Again, interesting. And so is 50. 
China consumes 53% of the world's cement, as well as half of the world's iron ore and coal. This process of relocation is still happening, with trends showing even more movement towards cities and away from farms. It is a sort of forced march for the peasants in rural China, spurred by their government in an attempt to keep up with world demand for the products that their country has come to be known for. The Tassidites trap is the theory, I hope I said it right, that as one superpower fades and another rises, the chance of war between the two powers is a very likely outcome and perhaps inevitable. The Greek historian Tycidas, Tucidas, I'm not sure, I'm sorry guys, first understood this idea framed in the context of the demise of Sparta, just as Athens was beginning its ascension to the top of the power structure. I'm gonna check right now how to say it, and I'm gonna play it on here. So it's the Thucydides first understood this idea framed in the context of the demise of Sparta, just as Athens was beginning its ascension to the top of the power structure. So Thucydides. <laughs> it was the rise of Athens and the fear that is instilled in Sparta that made war inevitable. As the most popular, populous country to the world has ever known begins to surpass the wealthiest country, will the fear of loss trigger the war of wars between two nations capable of ending life on this planet, or can sanity be injected into the situation? Much like a humiliated drunk, America is a danger to itself and those close to it because it is liable to just start throwing punches at those pointing and laughing. Well, and I think that's what triggered um, that streamer today that, you know, was calling what I was saying a conspiracy theory. is because I basically said Trump will win, that we know already, this has been planned forever, and the United States is about to become a third world country, and everyone who is a Western country associated with that will suffer. And it's the truth, and a lot of people don't like to hear it because a lot of Americans have been brainwashed to think they're the best of the best, and their ego has matched the lie they've been told. So it's easy to hate people like that, and if they put themselves in the you know, situation of being the receiving end, they would understand why many people hate them. I'm not one of those people, and I never was, but I certainly have witnessed this myself, and I've witnessed this from Germans, from Italians, from everybody, don't get me wrong. But there, the ego that the USA has been given has been huge. And so now, of course, you know, when they go down, what do you think is going to happen? They know everybody else is going to ridicule them because this is what they did with those who were not as brilliant as they were. And Gilmore Girls is one of those shows where it's very apparent because Gilmore Girls often have puns and funny jokes about other people. And even though, you know, they try and come across as they are good citizens and all this shit, if you really watch the show, all they are is privileged people who, you know, all they're doing is pushing 
the propaganda in this show, and really the disconnection people have by not realizing that every time Lorelai needs something, her rich parent, who she claims she hates, provide it. And she excuses their horrible behavior and actually laughs along many times. But, you know, of course, in those uh, things that, you know, the public is against, so they have been brainwashed to be against, and they act as if, oh, no, we work hard, we pay our taxes. You know, they push the propaganda in every single way. So, you know, yeah, I agree with him 100%. And again, I agree with him in a lot of things, so, you know. <laughs> in the past 500 years, there have been 16 cases in which a rising power threatened to displace a ruling one, and 75% of the time it ended in war. As China challenges America's predominance, misunderstandings about intentions, differences in monetary systems, or a desire to ditch the petrodollar may lead them into a deadly conflict. The encirclement of China by the United States' string of military bases already shows a potentially hostile intent on the part of America. As America hypocritically complains about China building islands in their own waters to counter that threat, China has been making major moves to partner with Africa rather than colonize it the American way is proving to be less about loving thy neighbor and more about subjugating him. The British exploited the dark continent for diamonds, land, natural resources, raw materials, and even people. South Africa, under British rule, designed a cultural system of racism through apartheid. Belgium and France pilfered the resources and slaughtered the people, with King Leopold II of Belgium responsible for the murder of 10 million Congolese. The United States has blown up countries like Libya and Somalia and built military bases in others like Djibouti. <laughs> China builds hospitals for sick Africans instead of graveyards for dead ones. In 2016, America invested 3.6 billion in Africa, while China invested 36.1 billion, more than all of the other countries in the world combined. They won't take care of their own people, but they do all of this, right? China is the second largest provider and the top receiver of foreign direct investment. China's population is equal to North America, South America, Western Europe, Australia, and New Zealand combined. Talking about an empire, right? China spends more on education and training, has a percentage of GDP than any other country in the world, right around 4%, and its education system is the largest in the world. Well education means to lead on really so you know if you have to create a massive army of stormtroopers who can't think and will just follow orders send them to school and give them an eagle 
keep boosting their ego. You're special, you're better than everybody else. You have the right to make more money. You have the right to enslave others. They are stupid. That's why we do this to other species. And that's how they came about making you all accept that they're petivores. Hey, they are another species. So after all, eating your children, destroying us is not anything that is wrong, right? We do it to the animals. They made us accept it, apparently. Well, you, not me, but you know. There are more Chinese university students than in both the United States and Western Europe combined. And they usually have a pretty good IQ as well, I heard. So, you know, they learn quick. The higher your IQ, the easier you are hypnotized by the lies and stuff as well. So, it's, it's really interesting. Anyway, the one belt, one road plan to connect Europe and Asia in conjunction, in conjunction, conjunction, well, three is a charm, with the rise in cryptocurrencies, that's also a gematria, by the way, saying, is setting the stage for major global disruption and a paradigm shift away from taxes, tariffs, and threats, and into open markets, sound money, and cooperative trade through multiple continents. So the One Belt, One Road plan to connect Europe and Asia in conjunction with the rise in cryptocurrencies is setting the stage for major global disruption and the paradigm shift away from taxes, tariffs, and threats and into open markets, sound money, and cooperative trade through multiple continents. Mm. The United States should be feeling threatened by these new developments, not because they actually fear China, but because China is making them look bad by comparison. This is not to say that China is without their problems or a, a checkered past. They are only six decades removed from their leader rounding up and executing 73 million of his own people for having the audacity to be educated and they are certainly headed down an Orwellian rabbit hole with their new social media ranking service that issues points for towing the party line wow, and removes points for speaking out about the government. They have some rather large domestic social issues that need to be ironed out, but their openness to business and trade combined with their plans for developing global marketplaces throughout Eurasia, Africa, and South America make them a horse to bet on for the long term. Also, if you've done business with them, they're actually really pleasant. They can be, they can be really good. Like I've noticed a huge change over time because on eBay you do deal with them. So over the 20 years, I've seen a pretty big change myself in my small world, you know, so. The media's role in demonizing China. The American corporate media has begun the push to sell the population that the new threat to freedom and democracy is China, as the United States government simultaneously sells them trillions of dollars of sovereign, of sovereign debt to finance the Ponzi scheme the Federal Reserve has been running for over a hundred years. China has always been there, this is not a new threat. They did not come down from Zeta Reticuli and start a civilization a decade ago. 
zeta reticuli, reticuli. I always screw up this stuff. I'm sorry, guys. They have been right where they are for the past 36 centuries. Now, if I had to do it for an actual job, I would go and research it, but you have to bear with me sometimes, okay? But I'll go and check it right now. So, it seems that it's zeta reticuli, but uh, they don't really have a pronunciation there. And I couldn't find even uh, spelling, like the... I couldn't, I couldn't find anything that would say one way or the other. Anyhow, it's the constellation, so. So they did not come down from Zeta Reticuli and start a civilization a decade ago. They have been right where they are for the past 36 centuries. They never pushed into Europe, they never tried to colonize India, and they did not ship all of their prisoners to Australia. Great Britain did. The Christian roots of the United States and Britain make them countries seeking to convert other people or countries to their way of thinking. That's right, because they know the truth. In comparison, the Chinese built the Great Wall 2,000 years ago to keep the invaders out. So it is not in their culture to seek to expand and conquer the way some Western nations do. If a country's economy depends on military spending, then that country must always have an enemy to justify the expenditures on weapons, intelligence gathering, and military bases, which is what the United States does. But if your country is the United States of America and your economy is as bloated and wasteful as it has been for the past half century, then the military information terror complex must have multiple enemies spread throughout the world to justify 800 military bases in 70 countries and their trillion a billion, so there are 12 zeros after that one. Defense budget. Is China a threat to the United States? The Obama administration certainly seemed to think so, with his announcement of a pivot to Asia and the relocation of two-thirds of the American naval fleet to positions in close proximity to China as a response to their construction of airstrips in the South China Sea on the dispute's Spratly Island chain. Why the Obama administration thought they were in any position to tell China what they can do in the South China Sea, not the South America Sea, is just another example of the arrogance of American foreign policy. If China was building airplanes, airstrips, sorry, airplanes, that's funny, airstrips in Catalina Island, 26 miles off the coast of Los Angeles, then a response would be warranted and expected. Yeah. Whether China is actually a military threat is less important because they will be portrayed as a military threat simply because of the way that the American media and weapons industries are interconnected. The weapons makers need an enemy. The media needs life-threatening events to prop up their dismal ratings and the mega conglomerates such as General Electric own the largest players in both of these industries. A company like GE 
may see a situation like this has a two-for-one opportunity to make huge profits. Yeah, no kidding. The more realistic threat from China comes from an economic weapon, not necessarily a military one. They hold trillions of dollars worth of American debt, and they are the biggest manufacturer and exporter of the cheap goods the United States depends on. So, mull on that for a little bit until we come back for the next episode. We are right now at 34% of the book. And I apologize for the little things that I misread. Um, but it is what it is. We cannot know everything. And there is a learning curve for everyone. So bear with me as we move through the book. <laughs> and remember, it's for free. So bear with the little mistakes. Ciao, belly. I hope you have a good night. Remember, or day. Remember to tap and stay strong. There's always a way out. Just learn to be nicer to each other, kinder. That's the word I prefer. Bye for now.